from 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 6. Again, that is 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting with verse 1. I'll give you a few moments to find that. Um, the scripture will also be posted, oh, it's already posted, um, in the corner of the screen. Okay. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and bound it with fire and taken captive the woman and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives had also been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nebel of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, we're coming to the end of our series on the family. We have another week after this, but it's uh, winding down. And so I'd like to talk with you about a family issue. It's bigger than our families, but maybe it comes to a head in our families. And that is busyness, pressure, activity, duties, responsibilities, going a hundred different directions uh, at the same time. And my, my concern in this message is that oftentimes the church and ministry in general contributes to that frenetic, busy lifestyle that we have. On the one hand, I think uh, that's partially justified because we must lay down our lives. We, we are a living sacrifice. There is an element of uh, being stretched for the Lord. We'll look at that more momentarily. But on the other hand, I think that ministry can, I don't know, be out of proportion or take on a life of its own, and it contributes to a heaviness and a pressure and a slogging through life rather than a joyful and light uh, spirit. So I want to look at this issue of busyness and especially how it drains us, how ministry calls upon us to give, give, give. And in order to get at that topic, I'd like to speak about ministering at the speed of our souls. That's an ambiguous, that's a mysterious phrase. It will come clearer as we go along, ministering at the speed of our souls. I've borrowed that from uh, an article by Mindy Caliguieri in, a, 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 in Leadership Journal. And as we go along, I'll clarify that. So hang with me until we get there, and I'll try to make it plain as we go along. Heavenly Father, as we think about ministry and our soul speed, our soul strength, help us, Lord, 
Open our minds, touch our hearts, give us ears to hear on this important issue. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, first of all, consider that, consider our Lord Jesus. In order to bring life, he had to die. And we see that over and over in Scripture, including John chapter 12, verse 24. I tell you the truth, our Lord said, unless a kernel of wheat fall into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This is the doctrine of the substitutionary atonement. Jesus, well, one person died for all, produced many seeds. And that was Jesus' ministry, wasn't it? Giving of himself, laying down his rights, setting aside his glory, wrapping himself with a towel and washing feet. He had to die in order to bring life. Right after this in the book of John, he illustrated that, that theological truth by taking bread. You remember, he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. He poured out wine and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant shed for the sins, the remission of sins of many. And so we begin our thinking with the Lord Jesus, in order to bring life, he had to be broken and poured out. And it's not just Jesus. He set a paradigm for us also. Right after John 12, 24, we have verse 25, duh, and it says, the one who loves his life will lose it. Well, the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And here, here, here he says, I'm a paradigm. I'm an example. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I, where I am, the servant also will be. So Jesus' pattern is the pattern of his disciples, his apprentices, those who walk in his steps. The Apostle Paul knew this, right? He refers, for example, in Philippians and 2 Timothy to being poured out like a drink offering. In Colossians, he says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of the body, the church, by filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. What in the world does that mean? I fill up, I top off, I bring to completion Christ's afflictions. You and I believe that Jesus died once, one sacrifice for all times. Hebrews teaches that. And when he had um, made sacrifice for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished, right? And here Paul says, I am completing, filling up what is lacking. What in the world is lacking in Christ's afflictions? I think the idea is, or the answer to our question can be found in the word telos. Paul says, I fill up or I bring to completion. That's the Greek word telos. It means final, completion, 
Uh, we have a telescope, right? We see that which is far off. And so when he says, I fill up what is lacking, he's not saying that we have to add something to the uh, sacrifice of Jesus, you know, maybe our good works or animal sacrifices or something like that. He's saying, I bring to completion this one, one time for all act of Jesus. And how does he bring it to fruition? How does he help it achieve its end? By suffering. He says, in essence, hey, I'm an apostle. My role is to proclaim the good news of Jesus. He died one person for all, one time for all times. He died. And I've got to tell people about that. Because that's the end, uh, what we might say, the end product or the end goal that, uh, that Jesus had in mind, saving people. That's why he died. And I've got to tell people so that they can be saved. But you know what? When I tell people I suffer, they turn and curse me, even though I'm their friend. I'm in danger in the city. I'm in danger in the country. I am persecuted by my fellow countrymen, the Jews. I'm persecuted by the Gentiles. But that's part of the deal. Jesus had to be broken and poured out to bring life. And we do too. We do our part. We bring to completion. Tell us we fill up this sacrificial act that Jesus performed for us. So my point is, um, Jesus set a paradigm in ministry of being broken and poured out. Now, our sufferings um, are not anywhere near <laughs> like what Jesus went through. They're not even anywhere near like what Paul went through. As a matter of fact, they're not even really close to what Christians are suffering today in North Korea or perhaps China, many other places. And yet, the paradigm stands. And in our own little way, we participate. You might, for example, you might use your vacation time. Instead of going on vacation, you go on a short-term mission. You have to die to self to, to do that. That's right. That's, that's the kind of thing Christians do. We steward our time and our resources, and that will call, at times, for self-sacrifice. Or maybe you not just use your vacation time, maybe you pack up your whole family, your whole household, and you actually move to a different culture in order to bring the good news of Jesus. That has been known to happen at Crossbridge. People pack up their whole household, and you have to die to self to do that. It's part of ministry, right? Jesus set the example, broken and poured out. Or you might stay here within this culture, but you might downsize your house or the number of cars you have because you can get along with less and you want to use that money to benefit orphans. Jesus set the pattern. Our sufferings are not like his, not like Paul's, but uh, we, we get the idea. To minister, you have to die to be broken and poured out. If you're a preacher or a teacher, 
you might have to die to self by preaching on a hard topic. People don't want to hear that topic. Trust me, that's a kind of death. It's tough to do, but this is what we do. We're called to do this, not just hard topics, but it's part of the package. And conceive of ministry, not just like preaching the gospel and being a missionary. Conceive of it um, with our everyday lives. Your kids, you've got to die to self. Someone chat, amen. <laughs> your spouse, your work, your extended family. We have to be broken and poured out. So, in our own little way, we are filling up, <laughs> bringing to completion the sufferings of Jesus. And that brings us to our topic, our phrase for this day, ministering at the speed of our soul. Let me explain. Picture a graph or a chart, and on the left is an axis, which is our spiritual maturity. Down at the bottom, uh, you're a baby Christian, you're, you're not mature in the Lord, you're just, you know, just beginning to walk with him. And as you go up, 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 you have refined Christ-like character. You have walked with the Lord for dozens of years. You are a saint of God. You have soul strength spiritual maturity. And then another uh, line is the demands of ministry. Um, at first, uh, the, uh, you don't have any ministry. Um, uh, you, you're a new Christian, you're a baby Christian, you go along and you're just soaking it all in and you're absorbing it all. And then you start getting involved in ministry. And that's good. That's what we should do. And maybe you start with an evangelistic ministry, a small group, or you're serving the children, or in some way, you are now beginning to be broken and poured out. And it's okay at this point because you have soul strength. You've walked with the Lord. You don't get uh, frazzled by the ups and downs of life. You know that Jesus is with you even in trials, and you have soul strength, and you're doing okay. But then what happens? They discover you, <laughs> and uh, you get involved in all sorts of ministry, and four nights a week, and you're sacrificing, and you're going at a rate and a busyness beyond your soul capacity. And what happens then? <laughs> Burnout, right? And too often we have seen crashing after that. We turn to unhealthy ways of dealing with our pain, alcohol and the internet and just numbing ourselves. Or we become uh, bitter in ministry and disgruntled and we avoid people and it's burnout. You can't take anymore. Okay, what we want, here's a third long line, is to minister at the speed of our souls. If you have a little soul and little spiritual maturity and you're still uh, learning how to walk with him, then we minister at an appropriate rate and then we're called upon to go higher and higher 
and we have to learn to minister at a rate with a depth, with a being broken and poured out, poured out with a death, if you will, which we can sustain. And so this brings us to our passage for the day. You've heard it read already, but I'm referring to 1 Samuel chapter 30. In order to minister at the speed of our souls, in order, in order to be con continuously, regularly broken and poured out, then we must be glued back together regularly and poured into regularly. I'm talking about a vibrant devotional life, or as our passage says, strengthening ourselves in the Lord. Remember the story? You heard it. Uh, David uh, and his men were out, uh, they were appearing to serve the Philistines and they were out raiding the countryside. They had made their home base uh, uh, the, the village small town of Ziklag, and they came back to Ziklag and they discovered that the Amalekites had attacked Ziklag while they were gone and they had burned it with fire. You like that Hebrew way of emphasizing burning it with fire. And they had taken the, the women, the wives, and the children, and the Hebrew text says they had driven them, same word for driving cattle and driving animals, they had driven, taken off uh, the women and the children, and David and his men wept until they could weep no more. Then what happened? David's men turned on him. <laughs> They talked about stoning him. This happens in ministry. And then comes our little phrase, chapter 30, verse 6, David strengthened himself in the Lord. What do you think he did? Well, he probably prayed. <laughs> Maybe he sang, maybe he wrote a psalm, but in some way he reminded himself of God's promises and he took strength in the Lord. And so I am recommending that for you and me in our busyness, especially our busyness of ministry, ministry conceived broadly, our children, our family, extended family, all of that. We have got to keep our souls grounded and strong and growing and not minister beyond what we're capable of, ministering at the speed of your soul. So how can you do that? Well, here each of us will need to find our own way. My walk with God will not look precisely like everyone, anyone else's walk with God. Each of us have our own relationship to God. But there are some common factors that will appear and have appeared throughout history time and time again. It's going to involve prayer in some way. It's going to involve 
scripture in some way. Scripture memory, listening to the Bible, meditating, journaling on it, discussion with a small group. All of that's good. Taking notes during sermons, going back and reviewing, all of that's good. But we have to have a steady input pouring into even as we pour out. My friend, my friends Tim and Julie Tennant, uh, 10 or 13 years ago, took upon themselves a heavy uh, a task of leadership. Tim became the president of Asbury Seminary in Kentucky. And he said after he was in the job for maybe a year or less than a year, he realized if he was going to be able to sustain the busyness and the speaking and the conflict and the hard decisions that had to be made, if he was going to be able to sustain this work, he needed some more soul strength. So you know what he and Julie started to do at that time? They started to sing the Psalms every morning. Julie set, she's a musician, she set the Psalms, she made metrical Psalms out of, paraphrased all, all the Psalms, and then she had a list of hymn tunes that would work for this, this uh, time signature and this meter, and they started singing their way through the book of Psalms. And not just singing it, but then also discussing it, meditating on it, and then praying it. Praying it back to God about uh, filtering the Word of God through their own circumstances. And he, Tim and Julie, discovered great strength. Soul, uh, <laughs> increased their speed of soul to enable them to bear up under the demands of that leadership position. My point is, find your own way. But it's going to involve prayer. It's going to involve the Word of God in some way. Here's how C.S. Lewis uh, put it. One must train the habit of faith by making sure that some of its main doctrine shall be deliberately held before your mind for some time every day. That is why daily prayers and religious reading and church-going are necessary parts of the Christian life. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief uh, in Christianity nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. So, to minister at a high, at an increasing rate, a long time, a lifetime of ministry without burning out, strengthen yourself in the Lord. May I suggest another common element? We have prayer and the Word. Another element would be spiritual friendships. Call it accountability. Call it encourage one another, admonish one another. But that is very important for me in my own walk with the Lord. I see my friends and I'm inspired to, to follow in their example. I see how they handle adversity. I can pour out my heart to them. They pray for me. I pray for them. Spiritual friendships give me personally, probably you too, soul strength, soul speed. And then let me uh, recommend one other uh, spiritual discipline, and this one I'm not very good at. I'm a beginner, and I've been a beginner for how many years, and that is Sabbath. I think there's great wisdom in stopping 
and laying aside the burdens and the busyness of life and resting. And you may say, well, I have kids. I mean, I'm, I'm self-employed. I have my own business. I, 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 I know, I know, I know. I get it. And maybe this is where spouses can help each other. Like, you know, I'll watch the kids this Sabbath and you do or your, your day is Monday and mine is Sunday or, or whatever. But work out your own system for rest and shalom and being glued back together and refreshed in the Lord. All right. To bring life, Jesus had to die. The kernel had to fall to the ground. Same with us, same with Paul, same with, with, with you and me. It's a paradigm. We too die. We are living sacrifices. But that necessitates that we have to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Otherwise, we burn out. How can we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? Well, it's going to be different for each of us. But look for those common factors and get on with it regularly, steadily, the word, prayer, friendships, Sabbath. And thus, ministry can be sustained as we regularly strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Pray for me as I'm still learning that. I'm praying for you, Crossbridge, that you will learn it and put it into practice and that you may have a joyful ministry life, joyful walk with God. Heavenly Father, may our walks with you not only be dutiful and not only be uh, uh, broken and poured out, but may it be joyful as we minister with the resources that you give us through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.